What does it mean, Messiah Matters? It means apart from him, we can do nothing. It means he is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeshua is the only way of salvation. He is everything. We have to have the Tanakh to know the Messiah. But we have to have the Messiah to know the Tanakh. Without Messiah, we have nothing. Basically, it's all about the Messiah. It's Thursday, September 20th, 2018. This is Messiah Matters number 234. Totally full on the blessings of the Messiah. My name is Caleb Hegg, and with me, a man who fasted and didn't even realize it, Rob Vanhoff. What up, Rob? How's it going, buddy? Um, it's going well. I, I'm. I just love how God created a calendar for us to follow, and that when we make it important and we we take it seriously and we take time to to read the scriptures and wrestle through the different topics, it's like He's actually shape, shaping our, our character. He's shaping our thought world and our, our practice, and our, which then resonates in everything we do in our right. life. I love it. Right. No doubt. And now we're in that special time, you know, uh, that sweet spot here in the, in the fall feast between Yom Kippur and looking forward to building uh, Sukkot and time of joy um, and anticipating that. I love it. I love it. How about you? What's up? You know, had a good vacation. Uh, that was yeah, a long, long drive. Yeah, that is. Even from Spokane, that's a long day. Well, 1,200 miles round trip. Woot, woot. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was quite, the, uh, quite the journey. Um, but we had a great time. We, we, were in, uh, we were right next to Whitefish. Now, I don't know if our listener, if any of my listeners have been, our listeners have been to Whitefish. That town is just fantastic. It's just a just a wonderful little place in Montana. I highly recommend it. Good to see my buddy Adam and his family. And uh, did you yeah. go up into Glacier Park at all? We went to yeah. We went to the river. We went to the river one day. It was so Flathead, cold. It hurt. Flathead River, I think. Yeah. yeah, it hurt. It hurt. It was so cold. Oh. So yeah, but it was it was good. We had a, we had a really good time. We had a great uh, Yom Kippur. I missed having our show yesterday. I know it was Yom Kippur. I was like, man, you know, because we missed last week. And it's like, so I, that was another thing I was looking forward to today is, is even though we're on our different day, just happy to be back on the air. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we got some good things going on. I got, uh, I got some good books I'm reading. Got some good articles I'm reading. Um, lots of good stuff going on. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump in. And First, we're oh, by the way, just yes. a note: we are for those who are watching us on YouTube. We are not computer generated uh, bots or anything like that. We're actually real people. This is real video. I don't know where this is coming from. I'm very confused. <laughs> I'm just being what talking. Are you talking just, about? Oh, I know why. It's because I'm drinking out of a Yeshua shirt's cup. I'm feeling a little 
woozy. Real happy. Real silly. <laughs> no, it's just water. Um, so this show, Messiah Matters. Actually, so check this out. I should we should plug a couple of things here because we don't plug enough stuff. First of all, I'm wearing a Torah Resource Institute shirt for those who can see. Uh, this is in uh, this is in homage to the fact that we uh, that we have classes starting on October second. And if you haven't taken a class from Torah Resource Institute, I highly recommend it. Go to TorahResource.com and you can find uh, classes underneath the institute. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of really good classes. Rob's teaching a couple of classes, and yeah. we have uh, we yeah. have other people teaching classes. Gary's teaching a new class this year. It's going to be really fun. And uh, yeah, so I would highly recommend. And not only that, but if you don't know this already, Torah Resource Institute is one of the least expensive uh, schools that you can attend on the internet or in person. It's uh, it's very affordable. We've done that on purpose to try to make it so that everyone. Right. And have an opportunity to take classes. So go and, take and classes. If I, may, I want to just put a footnote on there. If you're unable to study yourself, but you do have financial resources, consider um, funding a scholarship right. or, or donating right. and supporting because uh, we also, uh, when we are able, we um, will grant scholarships to people to study for either a greatly reduced amount or nothing. Right. You know? So consider supporting another uh, student if you yourself are, are unable to do so. Speaking and on that note, a, a footnote on that footnote, uh, Lois, our, our dear friend Lois, listener number 23, posted in our Messiah Matters Facebook page the other day an article by Dr. Wallace, Dr. Daniel Wallace, on the importance of the original languages. Right. So if you haven't seen that, maybe we'll, we'll refresh the, the link for you. Because uh, just the other day, again, it's like, you know, why why do I need to learn the Bible languages, you know? Um, and for me, I, I just remember for me, there was a faith crisis, and it was like, man, they, they all can't be, you know, they're telling me different things about the original language, and I don't right. have any ground to stand on. There was a natural, like almost logical conclusion, right? It was, okay, there, I've got to go back to school, right? I've got to learn some things. And there's some humility in that, in that, you have to take your foot off the accelerator right. of certain things and, and go, okay, I need to go and, and be like a child and learn. Now, that doesn't mean it's for everybody, but I think uh, at the end of that short article or blog or whatever it is, that Dr. Wallace just says, look, if you're, if you're really seriously wanting to go into the ministry, to minister God's word to people, uh, get spend a couple years do everyone a favor, you know, spend a couple right. of years and get some basic competency in the original languages. Um, because without that, it's, it, it's, uh, you're just, you know, it's just a group of people created translation and you're just leaning on them kind of blindly. Um, so, so anyway, not, we, don't I, I, have we to should, we should say too this much. too. Today's September 20th. Um, and if you're listening to this live or if you hear this today, <laughs> I believe today is the last day to get the early bird, um, early bird discount on classes. So um, if you're going to sign up for classes, try to do it today. Otherwise, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. Not a lot, but a little bit more expensive. So go sign up. Um, the other thing I want to talk about in terms of October 2nd, we have the our quarter at Torah Resource Institute rolls over, which means our quarter in Messiah Matters rolls over. And I have now uploaded the new executive producer and produ uh, an associate producer mugs for the fall quarter, which means that if you sign up to be an executive producer or an associate producer of Messiah Matters, 
uh, now until, well, the end of the fall quarter, then you will uh, have a producer ship on this show for the fall. And we would encourage you to do that. So if you love this show and you would like to help um, help us by um, becoming a credited producer, then um, we would encourage you to do that. You can go to TorahResource.com, hover over TR Radio, and then go down to Messiah Matters and a pop-out comes out that says producership or become a producer or something like that. Click on that and then all the information is there. And uh, yeah, go go buy a, a credited producership. And that brings us to our uh, our thank yous. First of all, Messiah Matters is brought to you by Torah Resource. Go to Torah Resource for all your all your, well, what festival needs right now, right? We're uh, coming up to uh, Sukkot, and uh, we have articles about Sukkot. We have blessings to say in the Sukkah. We have all sorts of different explanations of what Sukkot is, and it's all free. That's right. You can get it all free on our website, TorahResource.com. So go check that out. And don't forget to become part of the conversation, 253-465-3205. We've gotten some really good messages recently, and uh, so thank you to everyone who's been leaving us messages. You can also send us emails, cheg at torahresource.com. It's cheg at torahresource.com. And of course, this show would not be possible without our supporters. We appreciate our supporters so much. And you too can become a, a supporter. I should say this, by the way. Anyone who um, is a who donates uh, on a recurring donation, whether it's to Messiah Matters or Torah Resource or to a scholarship fund or anything, they have access to Messiah Matters more. So... Um, yeah, but you can become a supporter of Messiah Matters for as little as $5 a month. Okay, with all that said, let's move on to more important and interesting things for our listeners. Okay, um, last two weeks ago, we talked about Acts 15 and the prohibitions. Now, I don't know if we want to talk on that again. I think that we've pretty much wrapped it up, but maybe we didn't. Um, so be thinking about that because <laughs> we'll come back to it. Um, right now we're going to go to Jasper. Jasper wrote on, so we had a, a segment, I don't know, I don't know how many weeks ago it was, maybe a month, two months ago, something like that, on catechism and the different catechisms that um, we like and um, how they're helpful and how I grew up learning the catechism and how a lot of that stuck with me, right? Especially the one on sin. I reference it a lot. What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God, right? Um, so catechisms are, are, are wonderful memorization tools to be able to um, systematically defend the faith. And Jasper writes this on our, on our YouTube page or on our YouTube video about the catechism. He says, catechisms are Christian and not something Messianic Jews should use. Um, there's a lot wrong with all of this statement. Um, and he goes on, so I wrote back to him, and then he goes on. Before we go on to his second comment, <clears throat> let's talk about this for a second. <clears throat> Everyone, <clears throat> pardon me, good gracious. Maybe I should mute myself next time. Everyone who thinks, uh, everyone who knows me and, and the way that I've talked about um, labels knows that I've had a difficult time trying to figure out exactly what we should call ourselves. I've been called to the map several times by good brothers and sisters in the Lord. And one of those was when I was um, dabbling with the idea of rejecting the the word Christian or Christianity, and uh, I got I got uh, I got smacked around pretty hard for this one, uh, and rightly so, rightly so. And the reason why is because you can define your terms however you want to, okay. But at the root level, Christian means someone who believes in Christ, and this is why the term is so broad. 
This is why someone, you know, it means little Christ. And this is why, um, this is why the swath of different uh, denominations within Christianity have taken the word Christian, right? Um, and this is also why you have people like, you know, uh, all different, all different flavors. You have the Mormons who say that they're um, that they're uh, Christians. You have Jehovah's Witnesses who say they're Christians. You have Catholics, and then Evangelicals, and everything in between, right? All these people call themselves Christians. Um, even though belief may be much different. Um, so, but the point is, is that in Acts, the word Christian is used to refer to the followers of Christ. And Peter uses it in 2 Peter, right? Uh, to refer to believers. And so the point is, is that the scriptures use this term. Now, you might not like that term, and that's fine. But to say that Messianic Jews are not Christians is simply not true. Yeah, well, here's another point, Caleb. Is that the word messianic is just an is an English transliteration of an attempt to translate the Greek word into Hebrew. Right. Right. We don't have the word messianic anywhere in the first century in, in any text. We don't know that that right. Right. Um, so we have the word Mashiach, and then we have the the gentilic form Meshichi, Meshichi, meaning messianic. And so, Meshichiim um, uh, are Messianics, right? Meshichiim, uh, right. if we're going to use the Hebrew term. But that is an attempt to translate the word Christianoi into, from Greek into Hebrew. And then people are going to say, well, that's the word you need to use. We've talked about this before. I think it was uh, uh, David Stern... Not the academic, but the so I love it. Wait, the, hang on, just a second. Messianic, wait, wait, wait complete Jewish Bible guy. He says Messianics refers to Jews, Christians referred to to non Jews. So, I love this. Basically, what you're saying is, is that what this guy said, Messianic Judaism is like it's an it's basically saying Christian Judaism, right? Well, yeah, but they but it's been <laughs> it's taken from Greek and filtered through Hebrew. No, right? but well, I know. I mean, but but that, a... the po the point is, is that it's ironic that he says no, we reject anything Christian, but then uses the same. You know, he's he's basically using the exact same word, just translated different, like just um, trying to translate it into a different yeah, language. We have to be exactly. We need to be careful <laughs> about this sort of thing. You know, of how we chronology. It's like my my niece. I think I shared this before. My niece comes up and says, Uncle Rob. What, what, how many of each of the animals did, um, did Moses take on the ark? Right. And she thinks she has me. Right. Right. And I said, well, it wasn't Moses. It was, it was Noah. First of all, she's like, oh, darn it. Right. So the idea is we have concepts that are in the Bible, but do we have them in the right place? Do we understand chronology or are we getting mixed up in our labeling of things? And, and to me, that's an example of that kind of mistake it's a well and, uh, and he goes on in, in his second comment which we'll get to but you made a great comment and i'll let you expand on this since it was your comment but your comment was is that well we have a cat we have catechisms in the bible right the the festivals are oh yeah one large catechism explain that well it's <clears throat> well there's two sides to that one is just the, the idea of catechism generally greek word um pertains to how how we are in it's the the curriculum we could translate it as a curriculum for focused instruction and learning right it's like it's like the book of 
important concepts to to grasp, right? And so, in a way, I view the the God's feasts, you know, the the Shabbats and the the calendar as a whole, and all his uh, moadim are. For that point, uh, uh, not only are they ordained just by God's wisdom and because He commanded it, but we there's there's lessons associated. There's something about right. Passover that we remember during Passover. There's something at at uh, Yom Kippur that we think about, right? Why are we? Why is it a day to humble your souls? Why is why you know all the things that we get to talk about Leviticus 16 and how the uh, the author of Hebrews unpacks the Day of Atonement for us or or Sukkot, for example, you know, dwelling in jo- with joy, with genuine joy, you know, all these are themes that that trace that transition from slavery, which is you know the beginning of the year, um, the transition of God's people from slavery to a redeemed people that are given knowledge of God and His holy standards, His righteousness in the Torah, and then the confrontation that we as humans, Israel or non-Israel, are sinners, and we need to acknowledge Him as King. Acknowledge his authority, his sovereignty, and repent of sin, that he is called sin, not of make-believe sin or of some vague thing, but actual real sin. And then knowing that in that he is true and faithful to his character, that he is right. forgiving. Right. He is faithful and just to forgive his sin, you know, with, with genuine repentance. And then there's a time of joy. This is the, the message over and over and over again that um, is built in to the yearly cycle and it's like who would not want to rehearse this it's a, right. it's a, it's from slavery to freedom it's it's learning our learning uh our place in the, in all of god's creation before a holy god right not thinking of ourselves more puffed up than you know but seeing ourselves accurately as as sinners in need of redemption and if we're in messiah then we see ourselves as sinners who have been redeemed and are now privileged to participate in the blessings of the family of Abraham. Like Yeshua says, many will come from the east and the west and will sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What right. the heck is he talking about? Right. This is this is our inheritance. And the the uh I have no problem saying this is this is catechism. And right. one, that's one side. The other side is the verb katecho, katecho from Greek. I'll just I pulled up a couple just to share. Um, it has to do with like here's one, Luke 8:15. This is taken out of the middle of Yeshua's parable of the sower. He said, the seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with, with perseverance. That hold it fast. That's what, that's katiko. That's where we get the word catechism. So Luke uses it. I'll give you a couple other. Um, let's see here. 1 Corinthians 11. Now, this is Paul. Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly Katiko to the traditions I delivered to you, right? So, so you have it in in Paul, you have it in Thessalonians, but also in Hebrews, he says, Hebrews three fourteen, we have become partakers of Messiah of Christ if we hold fast. That's that katiko, uh, the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. And then Hebrews again ten twenty three, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So. The idea of this verb that's captured in this word catechism in the noun is holding fast that is part of the perseverance of the saints. Right. It's like you, it, you can't have, if you don't have something you're holding fast to, you, know, you don't have to call it catechism. 
but calling it Judaism isn't going to help you. Okay, so that brings us to the next to, to his yeah. next comment. Okay, I'll stop and go ahead. And his his next comment is this. So I said, well, Messianic Judaism is Christianity. It, you know, you're going to have to redefine your terms if you're going to call it, you know, because what is Christianity? And I get, I get all the stigmas that come along with it. I understand. I understand that people are saying, oh, you know, you don't want to be called that. You don't want to be lumped in with everybody. Guess what? Uh, at the root of what Christian means and the way that language has evolved to define what a Christian is, if you believe in Christ, you are technically a Christian. And this is one of the reasons that this is such a broad term. Now, obviously, we would we would hope and want to be uh, be able to uh, define down to uh, something more specific uh, so that we're not lumped in with like the Mormons or something else like that, right? But I said, well, you know, Messianic Judaism at its root level is Christianity. He writes back. He says, Messianic Jews are not, all capital letters, not Christians, Christianity is a Gentile religion fabricated by non-Jewish believers in Yeshua that took Yeshua out of the, his Jewish context. Now, this is where it gets very interesting. We need to follow Judaism and return to our Jewish roots. And by that, I am in no way saying that we should deny Yeshua. This, I think, is a, a, a blatant misunderstanding, and I'm not trying to be, to be uh, rude or mean to uh, the person who left the comment, but I think this is a misunderstanding of rabbinic Judaism. Judaism as we know it today, Judaism as uh, has been uh, sculpted throughout the history, is no more the religion, you know, I would say that, uh, that rabbinic Judaism today is nothing like what Yeshua was practicing in the first century. Yeah, that's... Agreed. So, I mean, to say that, oh, we need to practice Judaism. That there's been 2,000 years of accumulation, right, of, of, of tradition. And not all tradition is bad. We're, ne we're, don't, we're not saying that at all. No, but the idea that we should be practicing Judaism instead of quote-unquote Christianity. I'm sorry, but, but the theology of, of rabbinic Judaism that we have today is a far cry from anything biblical. Get off the uh, chat there, Rob. I'm off. <laughs> I keep peeking at it. I can tell. <laughs> you can hear me. You can hear me click. click, 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 click. Um, a... No, but the point the point is is that to say that that Christianity is uh, is further away from from what Yeshua uh, practiced. I don't think so. At least Christianity has has uh, held on to a significant portion of the, the theological uh, notions that were put forth in the in the apostolic scriptures. Judaism has not. Judaism has responded and responded and responded to Christianity in many ways, so much so that it's uh, it's not something that, you know, it's not necessarily something that we want to emulate. Now, I'm not saying there aren't things in Judaism that are biblical. There are. But this is the point, is that we need well, to take... We, of course, we uh, maybe we don't need to say it, but I, it comes in my mind. It's not a monolith. Just like right. Christianity is not a monolith, Judaism is not a monolith. If you just start, yeah, there's, there's right all the way to let there's everything on the spectrum in the Jewish world, and it's all peddled under the giant umbrella called Judaism. Well, and, and, and his his final his final comment here is is also very telling. Yeshua Yeshua followed Judaism. And the belief right, that, that, in Yeshua does not contradict sense. Judaism. Belief in Yeshua is not does not make one Christian. Actually, it does. 
That's what the word Christian means. That is the definition of the word. So yes, it does. And second of all, Yeshua did not follow Judaism. Why do you think he was calling the, the Pharisees uh, uh, whitewashed tombs? And, and I mean, the idea that there's like one Judaism in, in Yeshua's day and that he followed it is nonsense. It just doesn't work. Yeah, because uh, there was something he was teaching that ended up dividing people and he ended up being put to death. Judaism tried to stone and him. All he, all he had to do was to change what he was teaching or stop teaching. And the religion, if we want to call it Judaism, would have continued on without any, any problem. Why did they want to stone him? They wanted to stone him for multiple reasons, right? He lost, how, it, yeah. he lost how many disciples or followers when he, in, in John 6, right? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no place in the world to come. I'm paraphrasing. Anyway, um, I, re I, I reject all of it. I just don't, I don't think that this, this is not, and not that, that uh, the person who wrote this doesn't have a good heart. And that, you know, I understand a lot of where this is coming from. The idea of let's push against Christianity because they've missed something. Okay, fine. But to think that Judaism has got it is, I mean, it's just not true. And I'm not just talking about the idea that Yeshua is the Messiah. It's true that Judaism reject, has Judaism's as a blanket statement has, as a whole, rejected Yeshua as the Messiah, right? Okay, I get that. But the point is, is that they've done many other things, including bring mysticism into their into their uh, beliefs and their and their uh, you know their prayers and all these everything. It's 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 not what it should it's not what it should be. Okay, should we move on? Rob, so, yeah, Rob's yeah, too no, engulfed in the in the chat room to. Uh... Of course, I'm trying to learn a new skill here. <laughs> you can't do it, man. It's been tried and tested many hey, times. Hey, I'm I'm a living person and growing and changing, and my skills can improve. No, you think that. <laughs> you think that, but the, but the fact is, is that I can tell every time. Every time you get on the chat. I can tell. Uh, okay. You stop talking. You stop responding. Basically, it's the it's the Caleb show at that point. Yeah, well, it already is the Caleb oh, show. Okay. I'm I'm Ed McMahon and you're Johnny C. Ah! Okay. Except I'm not a bumbling <laughs> drunk. No, I'm <laughs> no, I don't know about Ed McMahon. I, apparently, he had he drank a lot. I don't know. Ooh, I can hear the emails flowing in already. Okay. Okay. Um, do we have anything to say about Acts 15? Basically, I think I think the 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 bottom line to Acts 15. We talked about this two weeks, oh, last week, I guess. And I posted that last week. Um, the bottom line to Acts 15 is is uh, go read my father's article on Acts 15. I think that he's got it right. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, and basically, yeah. basically, what he's saying is, and I think that a lot of scholars have well. Many scholars say that it's a throw. It's a beginning stages of the Noahide laws, which right. is, I think is nonsense. You see that? You, it's sadly, you see that as a default. That's low hanging like idea that people take and run with. Good scholars too, and I'm not putting them. I'm, you know what? Everybody has their own. Um, they're, you know, coming from their own place. Look, Keener takes that position, and I and I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, I I'm like glad Keener. That I, you your know, dad wrote the article he did yeah. to say, look. The, the Noahide laws themselves, if we just limit ourselves to rabbinic literature, 
had their own time of emerging and then developing as an idea. And it was never, it was never an actual something that was published and given to Gentiles as a guide for righteousness at all, ever. It was rather in the rabbinic world that why, why nations are doomed is because they don't even do, they don't even do these things. It, it was never an idea in the early stages for it to become a standard that God ha, uh, somehow has for the sons of Noah over against the sons of Israel. Um, and, and besides that, it parses the world out into the, a, a map that is different than what Yeshua and the, his disciples have as a map of the world. Right. Um, I got to tell you, there's something in this room right now, and it just started right before we went on air. And it it must be uh, it must be the changing weather, because my allergies are kicking in. So sorry for that. Okay, let's let's move on then. Eh? Um, if you'd like to go check on that uh, that article uh, my father wrote, you can find it uh, Acts 15 in the Jerusalem Council. It's in the articles section at TorahResource.com. It's totally free. Go check it out. Okay, um, so. For those who don't know who Jeff Durbin is, let me explain. Jeff Durbin is a, an apologist. He's good friends with uh, James White. They don't agree on everything. He's uh, I would co- consider him kind of the up-and-coming, young, hip, Calvinistic preacher. He uh, is well-trained. He knows his Greek. Uh, I believe he knows Hebrew as well. He uh, is energetic and has really uh, kind of built his ministry uh, I think one of the ways that he's built his ministry is uh, fighting abortion. And uh, he does that by standing out in front of abortion clinics and talking to people um, about the issues. Uh, I And I applaud him for that. Um, he also has a, what they've tried to model it after a late night talk show um, where he talks about uh, apologetics. He talks about, uh, he interviews people. He tells uh, jokes uh, that are Christian based. And, uh, and to be honest with you, he has some really great things to say. I actually really enjoy listening to uh, Mr. Durbin and uh, the, the things he, he teaches on. Now, this, what we're going to be looking at is actually, and this is in your show notes. There's a link to it in your show notes. It's, I don't know, an hour and some odd minutes. Uh, it's one of his, I believe he preached it on a Sunday. July 18th is when it was posted on YouTube of this year, 2018. Oh, so about two months ago. Just two, yep, two months, two months ago. ago. And uh, the actual content of the uh, of the lecture it's, or of the sermon itself is on church discipline. And to be honest with you, I think that he does a very good job explaining why uh, churches today or communities today, whatever you want to say, should practice uh, church discipline. That is, if someone does something that is against Scripture, that. Uh, we should root out that from our communities. In other words, either repent or leave. And that's kind of one of the, the, I think that's the overall message that he's getting at. Now, one of the ways that he does this is he goes to Yeshua's teaching on the law and he's talking about the law and how, um, how basically if somebody does certain things, there's standards that need to be upheld within community. So this is why he's talking. This is, Keep in mind, this is what I'm gleaning from the, the lecture, whether or not this was his intent or not. I believe it was. But um, anyway, uh, if Mr. Durbin ever hears this, which I highly doubt he will, but if he does, uh, then uh, I hope I'm representing his his uh, sermon as, uh, as he intended it. Okay. With all that said, um, he... <laughs> 
he got into some interesting places here. Now, in the office, we've been talking back and forth about um, why Mr. Durbin would throw some of these sound bites into his uh, sermon because they seemed a little out of place. In fact, they, they seemed like they weren't necessary. One of them in particularly um, seemed very kind of out of place for um, what, what he was teaching on. Um, and what we think might be happening is Mr. Durbin might have uh, some people coming to his congregation that are asking questions about the law or asking questions about what about the food laws? What about the Sabbath? Or, you know, somebody walks in visiting that week who's wearing tzitzit or something like that. And so it, it feels almost forced, like he's trying to speak to a specific person or something like that. And once again, I'm, this is not to put Mr. Durbin down. I, I do li like listening to him, and uh, I think he's got a lot of really good things to say. However, uh, he does take a, a, what I would consider the a mainstream uh, evangelical Christian position against the Torah, that the Torah is no longer in act, like in, in act today, or that I, I think that I shouldn't say that. I think he would actually say certain parts of the Torah are not in act today. And I'm not sure if he's taking a Walter Kaiser position of built-in obsolescence, uh, but it doesn't really sound like it. It sounds rather like he's taking a different position. So with all of that said, I, the first I'm going to go in a, a certain order, and he this is actually the order he went in. In the video, he talks about Matthew 5.17. And I actually thought that this was fantastic. I thought that he actually did very well on this. And uh, so let's listen to this first so that people can get an understanding kind of where Mr. Durbin is coming from in terms of Matthew 5.17. Therefore, watch this, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. That's the kingdom of God. That's Christ's rule. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. They had a righteousness that was a self-centered righteousness. It was a man-centered righteousness. It wasn't God's righteousness. You need Christ's righteousness or you don't enter the rule of God. But note what Jesus says here. The words in the Greek, if you want to write it down, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The wording there in the beginning is this. May... Namasete. And in the Greek language, may, namasete, actually is a way to express in the strongest possible terms. Listen, watch. It's not this. Stop thinking. Hey, guys, stop thinking that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. He actually says this. May, namasete means this. Don't even begin. Don't let it enter into your mind. Don't let the seed start to grow in your mind that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Don't even begin to think. Don't even start. Don't even think about this in your mind. I have not come to do that. Okay, so great, right? I'm with him on this. Can I do an asterisk? Yeah. <laughs> the accent is the accent's on the second syllable. Me nomisete. Uh, so nomisete, I'm suspicious whether he actually read it in the Greek or as if he saw somebody transliterate it and he's trying to re... I, now, I'm just coming, you know, I teach first, second year Greek. And so that would be a like... That would be something of, I would say because my Greek is atrocious. 
Well, this this would be one of the you know in the first weeks of Greek, right? Right. You would the, the instructor would would say, okay, you've got all the syllables and and you're pronouncing the vowels correctly, but let's the the accents are here for for a reason. Um, we, and so I, the I fact that he's that he's so passionate and his accent is wrong, um, just is like wow. Okay, that 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 means that he was that wasn't a priority from whoever taught him Greek. Uh, for him to to have that as part of his discipline, I'm this. I'm not trying to shoot the guy down on this basis. I just think this is something that would come in first year Greek. This point, if a person finished first year Greek and they didn't have this point uh, embodied so, with their so, lesson, so and I think it's a failure of the teacher. I'm I'm going to give him grace because my uh, on, on this point uh, because my uh, my reading of accents. Uh, in Greek, is uh, oh nobody wants to That's hear me. That's a failure Greek. of your teacher. <laughs> Guess who my teacher was? <laughs> um, okay, hey, so, I, I, I'm I'm saying you know this is something I've learned uh, because I let it, I realized that I didn't you know at uncertain years didn't make it a priority. So um, in the chat so. room, there's a discussion going on on who uh, the spelling of Jeff Durbin, and the last comment uh, is correct, Jeff. D-U-R-B-I-N, Durbin, is the way that he spells his name. Jeff Durbin. Durbin. Okay, so um, after the after his uh, exposition on... Now, when I'm listening to this, I think he's going to go straight from Matthew 5.17, and then he's going to somehow try to wiggle out of it. Um, because I was sent the, these clips, I was sent this whole uh, teaching by uh, some wonderful brothers in in, uh, in the Lord from Beit Hillel, the congregation, one of the congregations that I attend. And um, so I just figured, oh, great, here we go. No, he leaves it right there. And then he moves to Matthew 15. And um, basically what he's saying is that there's God's righteousness, which is law, and then there's man's righteousness. And I think what he's doing here, I think the reason that he's juxtaposing these two is because if somebody is in the uh, congregation, and I agree with this totally, I think what he's doing here, and, and I once again, I don't want to put words into uh, Mr. Durbin's mouth, but I think what he's trying to highlight here is that if somebody does something that's against, um, you know, against the uh, man's law in terms of, okay, you have a Christian denomination that says we like to, I don't know, we like to eat communion every week, and somebody comes in and says, I'm only eating communion once a month or something. Uh, this, is, this is man's law. We shouldn't listen to it. But if it goes against God's law, then this is where there's a problem. I think this is what he's trying to highlight in his talk on church discipline, is that we should discipline when it comes to God's law. Okay, so I think that's where he's coming from. Now, the next two clips that I've taken, I, I just cut it. I just cut it in half. I didn't actually edit anything out okay you mean between between so it's a, what, what you're saying is that this is a contiguous audio clip but we're going to listen to the a and then b but there's actually full disclosure i didn't took cut out, out anything in between full disclosure i took out one he took out i took out one phrase i think he said this is very important okay so i took out this is very important and now you have just these two clips okay but a and b they're right in a row okay um, and I did this because I want to stop after the first clip and kind of talk about what he's talked about, okay? The practice of indicting somebody or condemning somebody on the basis of one witness. There needed to be two or three independent lines of witness and testimony. 
And so what God does here, Jesus does here, is he actually goes back to the Old Testament law of God, not to the Ten Commandments. He goes to actually God's judicial law. You have moral law in God's law. You have ceremonial law. You have civil law in God's law. And in this case, Jesus appeals to a standard in God's civil code, which is not to receive an accusation unless it's on the basis of two to three witnesses, two to three independent lines of witness. Notice what Jesus does here. Very important. Follow me on this. This is critical today when so many try to deny that the Word of God, the law of God, has abiding relevance today. Jesus does not say, oh, well, guys, you know that we're in the New Covenant. New Covenant's coming. You know that things are going to change. And uh, I just want you to pull this one law over. Make sure that you have two or three witnesses. He just assumes the continuity of God's standards of justice into the new covenant. He just assumes the continuity. Okay, so let's stop wow. here. I, I mean, like... Right, right. Now, I, I think I'm, I'm all on board with everything he's saying here. Okay, now, I, what, he's, what he's trying to do in the beginning of this clip is he's trying to go back to the church fathers who didn't really know what to do with the idea of, of uh, Jewish... Jewish. Okay, I'm putting for those on on the radio right now. I'm putting quote marks around Jewish. They didn't know what to do with the Jewishness of of certain parts of the Torah. Now, I would say that there's nothing Jewish about any part of the Torah. But they want they didn't want to celebrate the festivals. They didn't want to eat kosher. They didn't want to circumcise. Right. The, uh, so um, these became the Jewish parts of the law, quote unquote, Jewish parts of the law. And so what they ended up doing was they ended up trying to separate the, the Torah into three different kinds. Three, three different kinds of law. Moral, civil, and ceremonial. My father's written on this as well. It's in the, it's the 10th chapter in uh, 10 Persistent Questions. Basically, this doesn't work. And I asked Walter Kaiser about this. When I, when I interviewed Walter Kaiser, I asked him if, if uh, you know, the Torah can be... Was it Kaiser? Anyway... Um, it might have been right into right. Anyway, I asked, can the Torah be broken up into civil, ceremonial, and and uh, and moral? And the answer was no, it can't. And and this is the correct answer. It can't be. And the reason why is because basically, uh, things that uh, the church fathers wanted to get rid of, like the Sabbath, okay, are not ceremonial. They're not moral, and they're not civil. They're all three. Oh, right. They're, you can't classify it. Into... You can't classify it. But these are some of the things that the church right. fathers who, who devised this, uh, this theory of moral, civil, and ceremonial, uh, it doesn't work like that. It's what, it, it, here's another way to think of it, Caleb, if I'm tracking with you. This is a, a scheme or, or categorization uh, template that a reader is bringing to the text and then demanding that the text comply to rather than abandoning presuppositional uh, categorization scheme and trying to, through prayer and diligent study of the word and interaction with scholars who've gone before, right. try to uh, amplify what are the patterns here. And this reminds me of this. So, in the in the Torah, there's no uh, like an animal. There's, it's either clean or unclean, right? Right. right. Like like there's no uh, there, there's clear definition of 
what is tahor and what is tameh, right? right? And we get that from the scripture. And um, but here, civil versus ceremonial, we're implying or uh, imposing our own uh, rubric or our own categorization scheme, and then we're demanding things obey it or submit to our our pattern. We need to watch out for that in any event. That's the that's the guy who sees a uh, a speck in somebody's eye and he has a plank in his own eye, you know, and he doesn't so, see it. So he. he now, in the in the next clip, which is a continuation of this, right? Now, I agree. All of that said, I agree with Durbin. You, Yeshua is not cherry picking his 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 laws here. Yeah, yeah. He's, this, I mean, I'm agreeing everything he's saying right. there. I mean, it's like so far perfect. Preach it. But but preach here's it. the thing: he's going to talk about kosher. Now, I assume that that uh, just like many others who have argued that this is ceremonial, that the kosher laws are ceremonial, I would argue that it's not ceremonial at all. I would argue that the kosher laws are actually moral laws, and the reason, if you if you want to put a class onto it, and once again, I don't think that we can do that. But the reason that I would try to, I mean, if somebody's going to say they're ceremonial, no, God says that they are that it's an abomination, yeah, and He created the animals. Yeah, exactly. It's it's he created, these are His animals, and He owns them, right? And He's saying if you're going to eat meat, this is what is acceptable, right? And that's and this is what's not acceptable. And so for us to say, oh, there's no morality with that. That's that's God just being, he's just being, what, ceremonial there. I, that gets us to into the Bible verses that the Bible doesn't say, you know, that well, and, and, I don't know. And, we're, and we're getting there. We're getting, so this is, uh, this is one of the fun things that we did on our Facebook page that uh, Rob is referencing. Let's listen to Durbin's last okay. clip here. I got one last. It, so you've set us up for the, now he's going to throw like a, a, yeah. so, so, a curveball. Right? Uh, once again, I want to remind everyone, this is a continuous clip. And we have essentially, except for the idea of chopping the Torah laws up into c- civil, ceremonial, and moral, we've essentially agreed 100% with Durbin. He's right on track, both with his Matthew 5.17 and with this last thing that he talks about the New Covenant, Right. Are there things in God's law in the Old Testament that we are not to observe today? Yes. If you are erecting the dietary restrictions of the Old Testament law, you are in big H heresy. Big H. If you are erecting symbols and pictures and anything in the Old Testament that was pointing to Jesus that was meant to fade away, dietary restriction, dress code, all those things, if you are erecting that, that is dangerous. However, the law of God is assumed throughout the new covenant. And in this instance, Jesus tells us through the life of the church, how are you supposed to actually um, employ this issue of sanctification and working together to grow and to heal in church discipline? What does he do? He assumes God's judicial standards of this you don't accept a charge against anybody. Okay, so there's so much that can be said about this. You know, um, there's other ministries within the Messianic and Hebrew roots uh, realm, right, that have tried to do this, okay? They've tried, and lots of them actually, right? Um, these laws are only for the Jews, or these laws are done away with and we no longer have to keep them, or whatever it may be. And... Uh, I mean, even even discussing with Walter Kaiser, Dr. Walter Kaiser at the SBL, um, you know, the question continues to come up. Give me a list. Now, there's many lists that we could say. 
Give me a list of what's Jewish and not Jewish in the scriptures. Give me a list of, and he says, uh, if you're trying to resurrect laws that point to Christ, every law in the script, in the, in the Torah points to Christ, every single one of them, not cheating on your wife, right? What is this a picture of the Messiah and, and his ecclesia, right? You're going to tell me that now I can cheat on my wife because it pointed to Christ and now that's done away with? Nonsense. Give me the list of, of, of the uh, laws that have uh, that were meant to pass away and do away with. Give me a list of the laws that are assumed into the new covenant but not assumed into the new covenant. I, like, And give me a list of the laws that, uh, that Yeshua in Matthew so, 5.17. Well, here's a way to think of it, Caleb. How would, if you had this teacher and then was it Andy Stanley who said that Christians need to unhitch themselves from the old Testament. Right. How would those guys, if those guys discuss this, where would they, what would, would they come to common ground? Do you think? Cause that's kind of what I hear you getting at. It's like, what, or would they end up going, look, we actually are looking at this differently. Um, I, I think that, that, that what Durbin is going to try to say is, Oh, we need to get rid of the ceremonial laws. The temple has, and once again, and this is also a really interesting question that I'd love well, to ask. We didn't get rid of that. God got rid of that. <laughs> right? God took, and for a reason. But that's the point, is that is that he brings it back, right? Does, is Durbin going to say that there's not a third temple? Is Durbin going to say that we don't see uh, the sacrifice in, in Ezekiel, sin sacrifice in Ezekiel after the Messiah comes back and the prince administers it? Is he going to say, or is this all allegory? Or or uh, is he going to say that in Zechariah 14, where it says all the nations are going to go celebrate the f- festival of Sukkot, that they're not going to sacrifice in the temple that they're going to? Egypt doesn't go. And what happens? God sends a plague. Is this all allegory as well? And at what point does God uh, stray from the allegory to, to say that we are in big H heresy because we are wanting to follow all of the, the commandments that God has given us, not as Jews, but as part of Israel it has been grafted in. Honestly, you know what I think is bigger heresy is when you start taking exactly what Yeshua says, do not think that I came to abolish the laws of the prophets. And when you start, oh, well, yeah, I'm not going to do that except for take all these laws and throw them out. That's like, a, he's. It, this is all in the same sermon, right? Right. So how many, let's just say there's a healthy-sized congregation and they're taking notes. They're like, he's saying this, this, me nomisete, right? Or me nomisete, or however he said it. Do not even think right it's an it's a emphatic do not that's it that is true he made that point and that's right on and people are going like wow wow and then and then yeshua actually cites the out of the mouth of two or three witnesses concept which is not 10 commandments and that's enduring right he's it's all just like right on and then all of a sudden he's like but if you're doing the dietary laws you're <laughs> you're big h heretic I wonder what are the the people that are coming to that sermon. How many of them are going? Wait a minute, he like they're not. He totally derailed. Can I, or can, are they? Can, can I tell you why? Because Mister Durbin has done exactly what we asked uh, people uh, for. He has found his favorite verse not in the Bible, and that is God's. Therefore, truly, truly, I say unto you. You must not 
continue to celebrate the ceremonial festival or uh, ceremonial laws. It can't be found that, anywhere in your That's Bible. one of our verses, right? So and, verses that would be helpful for, or the other, yeah, exactly. So or they all well, sat down let, let, let's, and let's, ate BLTs let's, for breakfast, right? <laughs> we just don't have that. We just don't have that. But the conclusion the, that these the disciples ate pork. What? Sorry. Thus the disciples ate pork, right? These are, these yeah, are, and they all sat down. That's what I mean. It's like, therefore, they all sat down and exactly. They all sat down and had pork sam pulled pork uh, sandwiches. I don't know. For if, breakfast. I don't know if I don't know if, uh, if Durbin is a Sabbatarian or a Sunday Sabbatarian. But I, you know, this is another thing that that many Christian teachers have a really hard time with. How do you get around eternal covenant, perpetual uh, sign, a, a, a sign forever throughout all your generations? I, I mean, come on. The Sabbath is something that that I, but. Uh, let's let's okay so what we did was we put on our facebook page that um what's your favorite verse that isn't in the bible and we gave an example of truly truly i say to you to you what was it um i forget i forget what we wrote but here's oh, what that I, was a great great idea thank you i think it was your idea but anyway here's here's some of the uh here's some of the verses That's what i was saying it was a great idea <laughs> no i'm kidding yes I'm totally kidding. here's some and by the way i uh, love things i'm what I mean is great. I just, I was really, uh, people had ones that I'm like, I have heard that before. I didn't think of that. Okay. So here we go. Here are some of the ones that our listeners have put up. Just speak it and it will come to pass. First Bereans 2.17. <laughs> Hate the sin, not the sin. I would just, wait a minute. The quotes are on, that can't be from Bereans. They studied the scripture really carefully. So I would have to attribute that to, hmm. I think that was in opinions, not this Bereans. Is, you know, I hope that, once again, I hope that uh, this, is, this doesn't come off as us uh, uh, coming against uh, uh, Durban only. The, the fact of the matter is, is that to uphold the idea that some laws have been done away with from the Torah is something that is widely preached uh, across many, many Christian churches here in the, in the United States and around the world. The point is, you have to find verses that are not in the Scriptures. You have to, you know, Durban is a great example. Celebrate, you know, don't celebrate the ceremonial laws anymore. Where does it say that? It doesn't. Clean, Here's the thing. He's, he's going beyond. He's going. He's not just saying, okay, if you're doing it. Because there, there are some people who say, okay, if you're keeping the Sabbath and, and you, know, you believe it's Saturday or whatever, and you're doing it unto the Lord. You know, it says in Galatians, the law is not against the promises, right? Because Paul says, is the law against the promises of God? And no, heaven forbid, right? Right. He says, no way. So someone could say, okay, well, if you're doing it and you don't, you know, you're not doing it because you think your your salvation is by it. Or if you're ob observing God's commandments concerning food, um, if you're doing it, but you're not telling people they're unsaved if they're not doing that then there's like, there seems to be one realm where people will say, okay, and they'll tolerate, but he's not the, in that realm. He's saying danger, warning light, heresy, like, like engine going to explode in the car, right? Dude, because you're going in that direction. And Evelyn, that's, Evelyn, I love this. Behold the lamb of God, not the ham of God. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's get back to a couple of these. Uh, this, these are from our listeners. You can join this conversation on our Facebook page. And yes, uh, for Joseph in the chat room, it is uh, Jeff Durbin. Um, okay, cleanliness is next to godliness. 
never found in our scriptures, of course. Sabbath is the Jewish day of worship. And the quote, the, the big, uh, the capital letters there is Jewish day of worship. Sabbath is not the Jewish day of worship. Sabbath is the God's uh, sign of his covenant. Uh, God loves you just the way you are. He just wants you to be happy. <laughs> who, uh, he who uh, prays the sinner's prayer will be saved. Second Opinions 3.16. An idle mind is the devil's workshop. Yep. Uh, make sure above all that you don't say something that might hurt somebody's feelings. Second sensitivities for seven. Uh, there's tons more. I mean, and on my personal Facebook page and then also on, um, on the Messiah Matters uh, Facebook page. I, I think the overall point here is that um, Mr. Durbin along, he's, he's in good company. He's got a lot of scholars, but the tides are turning now because people are tired I think one of the reasons we see such a move in the church towards following the law of God, not thinking that you're saved by it, but trying to be uh, trying to be sanctified through the Torah. I think one of the main reasons we're seeing such a push towards this is because people are tired of uh, of pastors and of teachers saying that uh, they shouldn't follow the Bible. The Bible says something is forever. The Bible says it's a commandment. The Bible says to do it. And what our teachers are telling us is, no, don't do that. Because it says in the Bible that the ceremonial laws are passed away. It doesn't. It's not in there. Mr. Durbin cannot give me a, uh, a list of laws that are no, no more. He can give you a list of laws that <clears throat> maybe the, the church doesn't, uh, as a broad, uh, you know, as a broad uh, word, the church, quote, evangelical church doesn't celebrate anymore. But there's nowhere in the scriptures that tells us that we're not supposed to keep the Sabbath or even that the food laws are done away with. He's he would probably go to uh, Mark 7. We've talked about this extensively. Um, the Greek just doesn't, you know, in my opinion, the Greek doesn't work there to say that it's talking, that it says, you know, not to keep kosher. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, and then Matthew clarifies the point. He says eating with... Uh, <clears throat> unwashed hands does not make a per, does defile a person you know i mean that's that's the that's the lesson we're to take away uh at the core from that interaction in matthew 15 right um but i i just posted uh caleb contrary to your uh belief that i'm unable to participate i in saw both, it uh, yeah. galatians 321 i would just this is a good verse that you can quote to someone like a pastor Durbin or someone you say well wait a minute the torah is not paul says he, he anticipates your, he anticipates what you're teaching. And he says, is the Torah contrary to the promise? No, in no way. May it never be. Uh... All right. May Genoita. He uses the same. Uh, <laughs> Don't even uh, think it. With, a, with a, an imperative. Right. Emphatic par imperative that, that he quoted from Matthew 5. Paul right. uses the same construction of emphatically not. So the Torah is not contrary to the promises of God. Are the traditions, so then we could ask, are the traditions of men contrary to the promises of God? Well, that we have to pause at because there right. are traditions that are good that support people coming into the Torah lifestyle. But okay, hang on, wait, wait, wait. That, wait. Would be, that gets us full circle back to Acts 15 but do, because but don't you, those wait, hang on just are second. Don't you think helpful. That, don't you think, don't you think that, that, that exactly what Durbin is doing is a tradition of the Christian church? Durbin has learned from people who have learned from people who have learned from people 
So and, part of and, his catechism, you mean, and, and what, what he's he, holding to. Right, and what he's what he the tradition of men is that the Torah has been parts of the Torah has been done away with. That you can break the Torah up into civil, ceremonial, and moral, and that the ceremonial laws are done away with. This is a tradition of men. This is sure. not oh, yeah, oh, agreed, agreed that uh, this division, insisting on this categorization, advances someone's. It advances some sort of kind of midrashic reading of the scriptures, right? Rather than act, and and it actually obscures the actual terrain of the scriptures, right? Exactly. I mean. Um, Ooh, anyway, yeah. okay. Well, it's been a good show. Thank you very much to everyone who's listened and who's been in the chat room. Uh, people have been lots of lots of good comments in the chat room. Um, I, I pray that he uh, that that he comes to a, a better articulation, uh, a sharper and clearer articulation of his uh, views on this. Because I, um, yeah, he's obviously to do such a, a double speak in one sermon and not have anybody there raise their hand or call him on it uh, means there's a blind spot there and, and we don't have to uh, be angry about it, but we can just pray that he'll recognize that and go, okay, maybe I need to work on my theology a little bit. Once again, I think that Durbin ultimately is doing a lot of good work for the Lord. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, no, and I think no, that, I, I think that a lot of what he that. says is, is on, on point. Um, so I'm not trying to put uh, Mr. Durbin down. Uh, in fact, I, my prayer is the same. I hope that, uh, and you know, honestly, I'd be more than, Durbin's too big of a name to, uh, I, I think, to ever want to uh, engage, uh, you know, in a conversation, even if it was a private conversation with me about these things. Um, but, you know, I'd be happy to talk with Mr. Durbin about these things as well. Um, but I, like I said, I don't think that there's no reason I think he would even want to um, with the lowliest of people like myself. Um, OK, uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this conversation and we will be back next week. Lord willing. Yeah. Lord willing, we will be back on Wednesday. So back to our normal time. The um, festival season is in full swing. We just did Yom Kippur, and now guess what's coming up? Sukkot, our favorite, right? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so we hope that uh, you prepare yourself and that your first night of Sukkot uh, is a good one because we will be on air after that. And uh, if you have any uh, comments, questions, or anything you'd like us to talk about, please give us a call. You can call us at uh, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. And then you can email us. It's CHAG at TorahResource.com. It's CHAG, C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com. Um, we hope that uh, this conversation has helped in some way. And uh, we look forward to another great conversation next week. And we hope that conversation and all of these conversations do one thing. And that thing is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah, because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.